Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, Kane Sims, and today we're going to be talking about customer journey mapping uh, and analytics, rather, customer journey analytics, I should say. Uh, there is a massive gap right now in the field of conversational automation and customer experience automation in general. Um, a huge gap when it comes to analytics, in my opinion. Every single thing we work on, always, you can't work on any conversational AI initiative without analytics, both interaction analytics, as in, what is this conversation successful? Is it achieving the goals that the business and customer needs? But there's two other layers that I don't think many are looking at. There is the customer journey layer, which is where are people coming from? When they're in that conversation, are you actually resolving the issue? Are they calling back four days later? Are they switching channels and trying to do something else on another channel? Is this the first time they're talking to you in a period of time? Or have they, have they spoke to you every week for the last three weeks? There's a whole load of stuff that goes into understanding whether your efforts of, of improving customer experience are actually having an impact in you. So you've got to understand the customer journey. And then the level above that is the business. Is this thing actually contributing to the business? Is it generating revenue? Is it streamlining processes? Is it saving money? Whatever your goals are, you need to be able to measure it, quantify it, and tie it back to the conversations that you're having. These are the areas where I think there's huge gaps in in, a, in many organizations' understanding and also their active implementations. People are beginning to get better at understanding the interaction level, understanding your NLU confidence scores, understanding turn-based analytics, you know, looking at that sort of fallback reports and all this sort of stuff. People are starting to get there. But the other two layers of journey and business analytics are, couldn't be further away. And so uh, an expert in customer journey analytics is Tim Freebolt from Genesis. He's currently the global experience transformation lead. He's got a wealth of experience in this kind of stuff. And he's going to join us today to walk us through some of the key considerations, some of the benefits and also maybe some of the challenges that you might have in trying to implement all of this stuff. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Freewell to the UX World. Tim, welcome. Uh, thanks, Kane. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining me. I know it took us a little while to uh, to set this conversation up, so I appreciate your patience and, uh, yeah, excited to get into it uh, into it today. So whereabouts are so, you at in the world? So I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. Right, right in the middle of the United States. Most people, you know, or some people, especially in Europe, are like, "What? Where is that?" Right. So, yeah, middle of <laughs> middle of the United States. Nice. That sounds good. That sounds good. And so, how long have you been at Genesis for? So, I've been with Genesis for about five years. A uh, number of different roles. Started started as a business consultant, really focused on artificial intelligence for the contact center. Uh, focused on conversational AI for a couple of years. And then we actually acquired a customer journey analytics software uh, called Pointalist about a year and a half ago. And um, coincidentally, prior to Genesis, I worked in the customer journey analytics space for a little over a decade uh, with a, a company that was kind of at the forefront of that. Frankly, we were too early to the uh, to the market. The company was called ClickFox. It's not really around anymore. But uh, obviously, whenever we made that acquisition, it made sense for me to kind of slide over and help help that team as well. So now really focusing on helping customers understand where they start, you know, from their AI strategy, but also, you know, uh, how do we apply customer journey analytics to, you know, understand business impacts of these things that we're, that we're implementing. Nice. Nice. So when you first began then the, the whole sort of process with um, what, what did you call it? ClickFox. Um, what was it? What was the situation then? What were the sort of like, I suppose, best pros quite a while ago, now looking at your LinkedIn profile, like what, what were some of like the best best in class sort of like technologies, I suppose, at the time? And, and what did journey analytics look like then as compared to what you have now with Pointlist? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. I'd say the problem statement is still the same. Um, you, you know, we started with a perspective of, you know, we actually had a product called customer experience analytics, right? And then, uh, through partnering with some of the big, uh, big management consulting firms out there, you know, the, the journey term started to take flight. So, you know, we latched onto that. And, and so you had, and you know, like I said, the problem statement is still the same. You still had um, analytics tools out there that were focused on maybe, you know, one piece of the journey. It was like, for example, Omniture, who was ultimately purchased by Adobe, um, you know, w w w kind of uh, was focused on the web and mobile customer journey piece of it, you know, usually focused on the sales funnel. Uh, 
And then, you know, you'd also have people that were kind of doing reporting in the contact center. You'd have the voice of the customer side of that, where people are looking at, you know, CSAT, um, you know, NPS, that type of thing. And, you know, really weren't connecting those things together. Like fundamentally, it's hard to do, right? Because you have data coming from many different data sources that you're trying to connect together. So, you know, the problem statement was largely the same is that how do we, how do we really see what customers are doing across all these channels and across time? So instead of it being, you know, just looking at, at one piece of the journey that's occurring within a couple of minutes, you're looking at, you know, potentially you're looking back six, you know, six weeks or even six months, like what's this customer experience as they're onboarding, things like that. So, you know, the, the problem statement is largely the same. I, you know, the approach that Pointless took to it is very similar, you know, obviously, Technology is, has evolved a lot to make the data collection piece easier, you know, running in the cloud, all those kinds of things. So sort of the, the how, you know, change and evolved, but ultimately the, you know, the business problem statement was still the same. Hmm, that makes sense, yeah. And I suppose even today perhaps the, the challenge is still kind of there, isn't it? I mean, if you look at something like Google Analytics, for example, or you mentioned Adobe Analytics there, like those analytics tools today are pretty good at focusing on one channel web analytics mobile analytics and and they can map a journey from the perspective of okay a customer comes from search engine they then go on this page that page this page click this button scroll to this depth you know fill in this form and then and then that's it you know and so i suppose like when it comes to especially when it comes to like conversational AI tying you know a conversation that might happen in a, a an IVR system over here or a chat bot on your website here or a WhatsApp conversation over there and and those interactions are not just the only interactions that customers have maybe they start on your website then call your contact center maybe they call your contact center and then try WhatsApp later so in this sort of like omni-channel world I suppose would you think, would you agree with that actually it gets more complex to actually track the customer journeys in its entirety? Yeah, 100%. Because you know, all the systems that you mentioned, they kind of have all their own uh, unique identifier um, for the interaction. So if you think about wh- how would we identify the connectivity between these things, right? Um, the contact center is going to have like a call ID or, you know, whatever, whatever uh, you know, the, the term is that you want to use within contact center platform, um, you know, for the interaction itself, you're going to have the same thing with, you know, uh, uh, maybe a cookie ID on the website, as well as an interaction ID, et cetera. You know, when cu- customers authenticate, you get additional pieces of information, right? You might get their account number, their phone number, their email address, whatever. So there's all, all these pieces that are there, but, you know, sort of the secret is being able to tie those things together uh, across channels um, and have a you know a cohesive view of what the customers doing across the channels. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know we have we have some customers that we actually ingest like fifth, greater than fifty different data sources. Um, wow. You know, so you're thinking about connecting together, you know, billing data, you know, potentially um, I, I mentioned kind of voice of the customer, CSAT data, et cetera. Um, you know, even ATM declines, things like that. So you're really looking at, at a really granular level of the events that are occurring across all these systems. And then putting putting the business lens on it is what's this customer in the process of doing or trying to do? Are they um, are they trying to pay a bill? Are they are they new? Are they onboarding? They're trying to add a product. And those things again can take, you know, over time, those things can take maybe a couple of weeks depending on what type of journeys you're talking about, right? So you got so it's not only the data connectivity piece, but it's also looking at it from the lens of the business to say, you know, customers typically have our customers, I mean, not not the end customer, but typically have, you know, 10 or 15 core journeys. Like what are the core things you can do with a brand? Um, you know, like I mentioned, paying bill, uh, onboarding, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's it's a different mindset of thinking about how do we actually run our business by that concept? Like how good how good are we, is our onboarding journey understanding that you know a customer might sign up for a new product online um, maybe they need to go and create an online profile uh, then um, you know they, they've um, they've called the contact center et cetera over the course of those six weeks right so um, you know it, it's really uh, kind of a different perspective to think about how are we looking at this customer experience hmm yeah and so do you tend to look more at analytics for exploratory purposes or diagnostics or analytics for measuring impact because suppose you could do this you could do both couldn't you like and that 
picture you are painting there if you've got 50 different data sources all plugged into one place that seems to me a little bit more kind of exploratory and diagnostic based like let's just ingest it all let's try and find the patterns let's try and find the issues then we can resolve something versus we've implemented something let's measure the impact of it like i'm wondering if you can give us a bit of a flavor for based on the customers you work with where is most of the activity that you find that you're working on yeah, it's it's a it's a really good question, and and the perspective is it, it depends on where you're starting, and we always see you know the say the enterprise customers that have kind of grown to um, think about it as like enterprise journey management. You know, they usually started with a specific problem, um, and then added data sources over time because the questions they want to ask changes. Right, so maybe maybe where you start is probably the most common thing is let's look at what web pages or mobile pages are most likely to drive a customer to make a, make a phone call into the contact center or chat with the phone, you know, because then you're looking at upstream to say, are there areas to optimize that experience in the web and mobile channel that are actually going to reduce those interactions to the contact center because the customer was probably trying to self-serve anyway. Um, but then over time, you know, so to start that you're starting with, you know, web and mobile data, maybe some contact center data, but then the next thing you might do is say, well, how is that experience on the web and mobile channel actually impacting CSAT? So let's pull in the voice of the customer data. So that now we can start to look backward, you know, and then from a, you know, to use your word, a diagnostic standpoint, um, if we think about bots, you know, in, in the, the VUX context, I am a regular, a regular listener, by the way. Um, you. If you think about, you know, conversational AI and bots, like that's one step in the experience. So inside of those tools, you have, you know, tuning and training tools, you know, how do we actually make the bot, how do we optimize the bot? Um, You know, did it do what it was supposed to do? But then taking a a step back and seeing what, what impact to our, to our business did that bot experience have? Like if we put a new, a new intent in and we built out all the fulfillment capabilities for that bot, did it actually reduce cost to the contact center? Did it positively impact our customer, you know, satisfaction, et cetera. So it's, yeah, you do have the diagnostic sort of in-channel uh, focus from a from an analytic standpoint, but then you also want to take a step back and see did it actually have the impact on our business that we expected it to have, right? Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, what are kind of some of the challenges that are the challenges the same today as you were alluding to earlier on in terms of kind of setting some of this stuff up because you mentioned there for example you might start with website data and then you might try and put an intervention in on the website that then tries to you know reduce contact on the in the contact center but then you might pull in voice of the customer data the challenge that i can sort of see there is these i suppose um what's the word i'm looking for these kind of like numbers that you see on the website data because you might not necessarily be able to tie it to a specific individual you've just got data but then you've got voice of the customer data and so it's tying that together isn't it to say okay this group of people on the website here had this impact on csat and yeah. and, and it's the challenge for me seems to be like tying it all together and because da- you need to tie it to a customer level something record in order okay. to aggregate it you know to understand it at a high level. So are those challenges still challenges that you see? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, so, and that is kind of the you know, secret sauce. So whenever, you know, I talked about how the problem statement is the same that we, we've been looking at for, you know, nearly two decades to date myself a little bit um, is the same, but you know, the method that you're doing, you're doing that uh, connectivity across the channels has changed and gotten, you know, a little bit easier. One, one of the uh, kind of the proprietary things inside of the pointless platform that was different, you know, is really what we refer to as dynamic identity resolution. So you're essentially building um, a, a living profile of the customer. So any, any uh, ID that we might connect, collect from any channel, we're adding to that customer profile so that when we go do analytics, in real time, like whatever we know of the customer at this time, we can use that. Almost think about it as like, you know, to, not to geek out and, and talk about, you know, um, writing SQL queries, but, you know, if you think about it as a join condition, right, depending on the analytics that you're doing, uh, you might want to look at it from a different lens. So if I have, if the customer has authenticated in the, um, you know, in the mobile channel, in the IVR, et cetera, we're also probably going to be able to tie the account ID together with the voice of the customer data. And that's one lens is to say, let's use the account ID as the join here. 
But we also might want to look at it a little differently. You know, I, I could also maybe look at it by phone number because that could be different people potentially. Um, I could also look at it from the lens of if I'm, if I'm doing an anal analysis on say just the contact center, I might actually want the joint condition to be the call, uh, right. Or the interaction. So um, let's look at, at these interactions, even though they cross different channels, let's see what was happening there. So it's, it really is, is some flexibility where, um, you know, the analyst, depending on what question they're trying to ask, ask, they might look at what's the efficiency of, you know, that new bot, like you said, or um, if we take a step back and I'm looking at it from a business lens perspective, I'm probably going to do a join on account ID. There's going to be scenarios where you don't have that, but it, you know, it, I think about it in the analytics world, it's really an 80, 20 rule, right? Um, mm. 80% of the customers, if, if we do have that information are going to tell us the customer behavior information that we need to make positive changes from an optimization standpoint. And, and I think that's, that's really what it's all about, right? Is to say, if you think about, you know, in the contact center world, I think a lot of decisions have been made on inadequate data because, you know, maybe we talked to the QA team, right? And they, li they listened to a handful of calls and said, hey, I think we've got a problem. You know, we listened to these five calls and this was happening. Um, so you can take that hypothesis and then you can use journey analytics to say, you know, how do we actually um, quantify that, right? Was it 100,000 customers that had a similar experience? And, and is it worth our time to go dig deeper and maybe make a change in one of those systems because we know the values there instead of sort of reacting to that anecdotal information that's not necessarily based in data, right? Yeah, <clears throat> and that's that happens all the time in the contact center, isn't it? Especially when you're talking to, you know, agents and stuff like that. Everything's salient. Like whatever the salient issue of the week is, that's the thing that's the issue. Whereas over time, that's not necessarily the case. And I suppose that you could even have a less than 80-20 rule technically if you've got enough volume. As long as you've got enough volume of those people that you can tie together, then you can make informed assumptions about the trend that must exist across all customers you know so even if you only had 30 percent of customers that you can tie everything together for if those 30 percent of customers equals a million customers you know and over the course of a month you've got two hundred thousand interactions that's far more than enough that you need to actually make you know decisions on isn't it you know yeah, and, and to tie it back to you know like, like I said, regular regular user, but whenever I reach a regular uh, listener, when I you know reached out and thought this would be a good top topic, I think you know it, I'm looking back on my notes here. I think it was um, Yvonne, I think was Swisscom, you know, mentioned that you know I think the question that you had was um, you know how do you know where to go build you know new fulfillment capabilities for an intent, and I think the you know the, the response was you know we it's we do struggle with having data to go make those decisions. And, you know, I, I like to take a step back and think about it from the customer journey standpoint and, and not nece necessarily just look at, say, you know, in the bot, we have, these are the intents that we're collecting, so we need to go do that. But it's also like, what was the customer maybe even trying to do upstream on the, on the you know, mobile channel, the web channel to see, you know, what were they trying to do before maybe they called? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to skew things a bit because maybe they're already frustrated and they're actually not even going to play with the bot, right? Um, and then downstream, you know, depending on um, what the intent is that we've detected in the, the conversational AI uh, component, is that is that then what we've determined is the intent of the interaction with the agent in the speech and text analytics side, right? To say, you know, we can kind of take a, a you know, a, a more data-driven approach to say, you know, yeah, these are the top uh, intents that people are, call are calling about. Maybe we should build self-service capabilities out for those, but is that really what the interaction was about, right? So you can kind of look backward and say, are we, are we collecting the intent in the right way? Do, you know, do we have enough data, enough utterances to say that's what that intent was in the first place, right? Mm, definitely. Um, you let me give me a bit of an idea there, which is like, uh, to use that example of, is like, what's the, what's the, what was the user doing like upstream? So, I suppose when people think about, and if to put it in the context of conversation AI, when people are, are creating a voice assistant or a chat or whatever, mostly in, mostly on the voice channel, less so much on the chat, uh, but it does happen, which is that ideally what you want to try and do is you want to try and authenticate the user and then you want to try and see what you already know about them. I mean, we do this on the chat channel as well. So, you know, before we have the conversation, let's just look at the phone number. Let's look in the CRM. 
let's figure out what's going on. Or let's first of all collect the reference number, validate your address and see what we know about you already. And then you can start to sort of guide the conversation a little bit and you can make it a bit more relevant. Like we've got a debt collection example, for for example, where whatever they ask us, they most of them end up in this authentication sort of process, which is where we need to go and find their record in the debt management system, figure out what the current state of their debt is, and then we'll answer the first question, but also it might be something else that they're not aware of. So what's the balance What's what's the balance in my debt? Okay, well, we'll do that. We'll look up your debt, but actually your debt's been moved on to this bailiff, so you need to go and call them. You know, So we're using the, intelli- the information we have to then make that conversation, one, more relevant, but then two, more personalised. But that's only based on very basic information. What you're, what you're alluding to there is that, let's say, for example, that upstream someone's had some difficulty on the website or in the app, and you know that because the average journey, the average time spent in app is two minutes. This user spent five minutes, and you know four of those minutes have been spent all on the returns and refund pages. Then pulling that intelligence into the conversation is far better because even though if you don't know anything about their previous orders or whatever, at least you put in intelligence from other sources. So I suppose that's all possible today. The question is whether that is, is this kind of stuff, stuff that you're seeing in production today, using all these different data sources to really understand the customer and then personalize journeys? Because that would lead to really like personalization on a one-to-one level really is that the kind of stuff you're seeing today or do you think that we're sort of like a little bit kind of away far away from that there yeah there's two pieces to it i mean the short answer is yes and it, so if you think about it you're collecting all data uh, into a platform to be able to do kind of some backward looking analysis and you know you're looking in aggregate you know all customers um you know to optimize what a potential opportunity or, or optimization opportunity is going to bring and then you're utilizing you know the the orchestration platform in this case, you know, say, say it's Genesis cloud um, to go in and make those changes. And then on the other side of it with, with then again, with journey analytics, you're measuring the impact of that change. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the way it's working today is that, you know, from an analytics standpoint, you're kind of looking historical data. Um, but that's absolutely the vision, right? Is that we're able to take, um, you know, segments of customers that are having certain experiences and then influence that customer experience in real time. So, you know, I, I would say that's more, you know, kind of vision that's on the horizon. But, you know, there is a feedback loop there. And I, I'd also say there's an organization, you know, probably a really important organizational component to this too, is like, who owns, who owns the customer? I think one of the biggest challenges that, you know, we, we this space, let's say, has had in the last, you know, couple decades has been you have the folks that own the contact center and they're focused on optimizing everything they can there, reducing costs, whatever. Um, you have the folks that own the, you know, the digital and uh, digital channels, web and mobile channels, and they're typically interested in uh, revenue growth, right? A lot of times that reports up through the marketing side. You have the customer folks, customer experience folks, which used to really just kind of own CSAT and uh, voice of the customer. And I do see that we we're seeing a convergence there where you have cross-functional teams that are interested in the, the overall customer journey experience and working together on those things, which is super important, right? Um, so today, I would say it's, it's kind of, you think about you have an analytics team, they're going to be, you know, we even see people kind of working in a, you know, two-week scrum or whatever. Hey, we're going to focus on this particular journey this week. What did we find? What can we optimize? And then they're in that feedback loop with whichever department that is that needs to potentially go make a change, whether it be the web and mobile team or the IVR team or the bot team or whatever, um, and have those cross-functional teams working together. Um, yeah, I think that where you were headed probably was like, what what are we seeing like really from a product and an implementation standpoint? Is I'd say the mm-hmm. you know take the taking the journey insights and being able to react to those in real time is more kind of feature state, but we're, we're able to absolutely take that historical data to inform what we're going to go change and then test and learn and measure the impact of that change. Right. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Um, if that, so, if that addressed your, you, if that addressed your question, hopefully it wasn't. Yeah, a, yeah. A <laughs> no, no, that's fine. So, so, you were alluding to there the, the various different stages of where you might use analytics, and, and we kind of covered that from the top, like you know the the diagnostic kind of stuff where, where you're going to actually have an impact, and then the measurement of that impact and all that sort of stuff. You know, at the beginning, 
in that exploratory phase, looking back at the historical data, trying to figure out where the issues are. What what are your kind of recommendations around the best place to start? So would a client come to you and say, hey, you know, the website example you used earlier, we've got a problem on our website that we really want to figure out. Or do they come to you and say, we think we can optimize our customer experience. We just don't know where, you know, like, are they more, are they particularly focused in an area that they want to try and investigate or are they more broad level, like come in and, and, and do some analysis and show us what we should do? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, there's always kind of best practices and, and a lot of it, you know, when I mentioned the organizational challenges, right, that we have, a lot of it's going to be driven by who we're working with and what, and, and what access to data they have. Right. So, um, you know, if we're working with the contact center folks, you know, they usually if the, the first place that we would start is let's let's optimize the IBR or bot. Right. There's always kind of low hanging fruit there is that, you know, you're looking at it from the perspective of and, and the, you know, this is omni channel in nature and hard to do is to say because a lot of times that, you know, the IBR measurement, the bot measurement is kind of isolated to do what we do, do what it was supposed to do. That isn't necessarily a measure of, of success. Did the customer actually accomplish what they wanted to accomplish? So you're taking the IBR data or the bot data and your parent really together with the agent data and potentially like route, routing information in between and, you know, looking at what are the things. And, and this is kind of where that, that data driven approach to say, you know, customers that are attempting to do these things in the IBR are more likely to transfer through to an agent, um, whether it be, you know, voice or chat. And then, you know, from an analytics standpoint, you're looking back at that at that experience. So if you think about like traditional IVRs, you're almost thinking about it from like a dialogue module standpoint, like that, you know, they they pressed one and then they pressed two and whatever. So what what's that sequence events look sequence of events look like? And there, are there ways to optimize that, you know, improve a prompt, um, you know, reduce steps, all those things that are going to have a material impact, you know, really from a cost reduction standpoint, as well as a CSAT improvement standpoint, is that the customer is going to be able to better self-service, which means there's going to be less calls to agents or less interactions to agents. So that would be, you know, in the, in the contact center, that'd be the first place to start. If we, if we think about, you know, again, maybe we have, um, you know, good relationships across the enterprise, then I would say the first question customers have, because it's hard to do, is, hey, what are those web and mobile pages that are driving calls to the contact center or driving interactions to the contact center? And let's see if there's optimization. Because on the web and mobile side, right, it's you'll have uh, the team adds a new uh, new capability in the mobile app or whatever, and they're excited about it. Adoption's great, right? Uh, people are, you know, 60% of the time they're getting through this. You know, meanwhile, the contact center folks are going, hey, why do I have 10% more calls this week? Um, and in a lot of cases, those organizations aren't communicating in that way. So, you know, that's, that's a low hanging fruit item. Then you also mentioned kind of the voice of the customer people. If, if we want to take a look back, I always look at the, you know, maybe we get a low NPS score or low C, CSAT scores and we can look back and see what was the experience prior to that low, you know, that low sur- survey score. Um, and, you know, the fun thing with that one is that, I think it's like two or 3% of people actually take the surveys they're offered. Mm-hmm. So you're able to say, okay, based on the people who gave us a low CSAT score, this was their behavior, but you're able to kind of quantify based on, Hey, but we also had this many customers that had the exact same experience potentially. So you can quantify that to say, even though this, these pockets of people didn't give us, maybe they didn't take the survey. They probably had a poor experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, in the example there where you're beginning with the website and you're trying to, you know, a new feature's released and calls go up in the contact center. What, so what we what we used to spend a lot of time doing is, in, when I used to work in this sort of government and that, because inevitably with government, there aren't as much opportunity for revenue generation as in a private enterprise. It's, it's pretty, not necessarily regulated as such, but it's definitely, there's only certain things you can do essentially. So anytime anybody contacts you, it is 100% most of the time it's a cost. And so optimizing the website to make sure that it doesn't generate that traffic was was a real sort of key area of focus for a long time. And what we used to end up doing is we would look at the contact center page, the contact us page, 
then we would look back over the journey and say, what are the most common pages that lead to people going to the contact us page? And then that would be like where we would focus. We wouldn't necessarily tie activity on that contact us page to calls because it's a bit difficult to track. We could track things like if someone clicks on a phone number on their mobile, you know, the little tell tag, you could sort of see how many people click on the numbers, but we, we weren't tying it together to the contact center. So, in that example, is that the kind of stuff that you're doing or do you have a way to sort of tie together traffic on the website to calls in the contact center? Yeah, 100%. So is what I was saying before around the dynamic resolution. So, you know, again, probably 80-20 rule, but the way that works is let's say that you go to a website today and you don't authenticate. We're at least going to have a cookie ID and, you know, a lot of it, most people don't clear the cookies. I don't, I don't know if you do often. Um mm-hmm that same person comes back next week and they do authenticate. We now know that that cookie ID was the same person visiting last week. And now we have their account ID, which we can then, you know, because if you're calling into the IVR, you're going to authenticate. We're already, we're already going to know your phone number when you call. And then, like you said earlier, we're going to do some kind of backend dip to see to the CRM or whatever, to see who, see who this person is. So mm-hmm. all that information, regardless of where that data lives, like let's say it's in the CRM, you know, we're able to collect that in the IVR system and that becomes a part of that call record as well. So we're able to then tie those things together that this was uh, the same customer that was, that was on online. And what it's funny, you mentioned the contact us. So that that's often like the, the it's the next level down, right? Cause it's a, it's like, well, yeah, of course, if they visit the contact us page, they probably called. Um, but yeah, so it's the next level down. So let's let's throw contact us out and then look at what are the actual pages they were on before the contact us page, right? And then you're able to see what was there something the customer was trying to do that they were struggling with. And and I'd also say like from a strategy standpoint, then I don't I don't know that this is as much of a problem as it was, but you know, you had we had we'd work with customers that we would suggest like maybe you should use web messenger on your website, you know, and have like an FAQ bot with, with a chat, you know, capability. And, and we, we would, there was almost a um, philosophical thing where you'd have customers go, well, I mean, I already have an FAQ on my website. Why do I want a bot to do it also? And the point is, well, your customer was already trying to get information and they didn't get it. So, Mm. you know, now they're trying to reach out on the chat channel Let's let's see if we can't take a shot at self service self servicing them in a, in a you know a way that provides a good customer experience because that's the channel they're in. So you know don't look at it as a duplication of the same information. Look at it as a different way to present that information to a customer, right? Yeah, or, or even a way of getting more granular information because it may be that the the thing that they need isn't in your FAQs and it should be, or maybe you've labeled your FAQs in a way that doesn't really make sense based on the kind of like mental model of the customer. If you call something one thing and that's the title of the FAQ, but the customer thinks it's called something else or whatever, you know, there's there's all kinds of areas where having a conversational kind of AI assistant or bot will help you kind of uncover things that you that you don't really know. Um, so yeah, huge, like definitely. an example, like a huge uh, cable provider that we worked with in the United States as an example you know, this is one of the analytics that they did or approaches that they did is they were looking at exactly what we're talking about. Like what are the things that are driving the calls? And they didn't have uh, any, um, any like FAQ bot, like they definitely had FAQs on their website, which of course a lot of them were outdated, like low hanging fruit stuff. You'd find like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, 50% of the customers that visit this FAQ page call because the content's outdated and it's not answering their question. But then you also, you know, they weren't doing anything to say, you know, do you have a question with a, with a say an FAQ bot? Um, and then also leveraging additional, um, you know, technology there to say, you know, Hey, do you want to get an SMS message with a link to the PDF or whatever? you know, so that you can try to give them all the information that they need and with a better experience, even though it might be some of the same information. And, um, and those, those things led to, I mean, off the top of my head, I think it was something like 30% reduction in those types of calls. They were like repair related, you know, people are having issues with their set top box or whatever, and they're going to the FAQ page and then they end up calling. And it was really just like low hanging fruit stuff with the addition of maybe adding some additional technology approaches that had a, significant impact on um you know interactions that were then reaching an agent mm, that makes sense yeah um you, you alluded to earlier on the 
you know, one of the places where you might start might be in the IVR. And within that context, some of the things you might be looking at initially would be things like intent recognition or, you know, the journey through the IVR, making sure that people are not just being contained, but they're getting the stuff that they actually need. Then you start, you're alluding to like, sort of like uh, bot optimization. Curious about how things are set up in Genesis and, and how that customer journey stuff, the pointless stuff kind of, coincides or mingles with the more sort of like detailed chatbot optimization stuff like are they two entirely separate solutions is it part of one suite and how much of either work do you spend your time doing how much is it spent doing the kind of bigger picture stuff versus the specific kind of like detailed optimization yeah it's a little bit of both uh so I'll, I'll take the consultant approach and say it depends right <laughs> um but uh so yeah as as you can imagine the acquisition is a little more than a year and a half old right um so there, there's definitely some integration work that's still that's still to be done there so you know on our cloud platform you know, we have uh capabilities coming out here in q4 that are really around um think about it as journey visualization inside of our flows so flow being you know, an IVR call or, a, you know, a, a chat bot or a voice bot or a, a messaging bot or whatever. Um, and so, you know, to give that, and it really it's like to, to our earlier point, like where do you, what tools do you have to optimize the experience is visualizing what the customer's experience is going through those things. And that really would be leveraged by probably two primary people, right? It would be the person building the bot or your conversational designer, those types of folks trying to understand where are customers going? How are they using this thing? Um, but then it also, you know, you, you, if you think about the folks that are looking at the overall customer experience, they're trying to understand, um, you know, what our customers trying to do and maybe what's me- what's next. And then, you know, a- as as we move like all those journey management, journey analytics capabilities into our cloud platform, um, you'll start to see you know, the kind of the um, robust kind of customer journey management, like let's manage things by by customer journeys. So we do have, you know, Pointless, uh, we do still have a, a separate platform today, depending on the the use case. Of course, we had existing customers that were using that platform as well. Um, so there's kind of two worlds that we live in right now. But, you know, the ultimate uh, vision is that, you know, it's, it's it's natively on top of Genesis Cloud. And then we have the ability to pull in those additional data sources from third parties because, and that's always going to be a part of the DNA, right, is we need to look at the entire customer journey. If they're using, you know, Adobe for web analytics, let's let's pull in the Adobe data. If they're using whatever Qualtrics or Medallia for voice of the customer, we'll, we'll leverage that data for, from a third party, right? So it's obviously we'll have the tight integration, you know, natively inside of Genesis Cloud for sure. Uh, but then, you know, you, we want to maintain that that visibility into the entire customer journey, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, how so a lot of the stuff that you you might want to measure for a specific use case might be different or from so for example to use this debt collection client example in that conversation what we really care about is like one of the metrics is did we successfully look up a customer record like how many people have we actually authenticated and then give accurate answers to? And for those that are going through that authentication process and don't make it to the end, then why is that? Is it because we couldn't match their name in the system? Is it because their address has changed? Like, so it's like, that's very specific to that conversation, as is the monetary value of debt that has been settled by the bot, for example. So all of that requires like customization based this isn't something that i've seen a, th- a third party platform you could just pull out and it just it's displayed there like we pull the amount from we pull the amount of the debt from the debt record management system we tie that back to a session and an activity that happened at the end of the session like did someone set up an arrangement did someone make a payment so the analytics basically reflect the one is the specific things the business cares about how much money is it settled how many debt how many debt is it settled and then some of the things that we care about which is what's the performance of the conversation and in order to get to both of those things it, it requires customization so how much of what you do because it sounds as though pointless does a lot of stuff like you mentioned being able to tie one customer record across multiple channels and stuff it sounds as though some of this stuff is like more or less out of the box providing you're using providers that you already kind of integrate with or whatever so how much of what you do on a typical project is 
out of the box, give us your data, plug it in, ready to go, versus we need to do something very specifically custom because the information we're looking for is is specific to this journey or this client? Yeah, it's a good question. I'd say it's a, you know, it's kind of a 50-50, right? Because we're going to have things out of the box that customers are always interested in. Um, you know, if you're thinking about the contact center, it's going to be obviously, you know, a containment rate of, you know, the bot, um, you know, what, whether you're calling it self-service, you know, effectiveness or containment or whatever. Um, but then you'll have, we want a, a sense of repeat interactions, right? The customer call back for the same thing over the course of a, you know, 48 hour period of time or whatever you set that parameter as we'll have, um, you know, kind of a transfer to agent, um, you know, KPI, like what, you know, and, and then by intent, like what are the intents that actually end up with an agent? Like what's the rate of that? Um, you'll have, you know, agent to agent transfer type rates, like it, it which a lot, you know, makes you want to look back up upstream because if, you know, if that first agent didn't resolve the interaction, then maybe we didn't route it properly or whatever. Um, you know, so you, those are kind of, you know, out of the box things that you'd have, but then, yeah, I mean, you have the ability, if you, if you think about building a journey, right. Journey is like a philosophical dogmatic topic, right? Like what is it? How do you define it? Um, it really, at it's, at its core, right. I mean, a, a customer journey or any type of journey is really just a sequence of events that I want to analyze. So if the, if the sequence of events that I want to look at is just, you know, what's happening in that you know particular channel, then, I can build really any kind of KPI on top of that and also have, so we look at things really simply, right? We look at it as an event occurred and there might be multiple events in a, um, in a channel. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, like with an IVR, you, you know, an event could be each dialogue module. Think about it that way. Um, and at each event, there's additional kind of attribute data that could come along with it. Right. So if we do that dip into the CRM system and we know, um, what products the customer has or, um, you know, what type of customer, gold customer, et cetera, that attribute data comes along so that whenever you're doing analytics on a specific journey and you're building additional kind of charts and KPIs against it, you can actually then segment uh, by those things as well, right? So those are kind of the custom things that you could get into, like where, for example, you mentioned in this in this um, debt collection case, you know, do the customer, or probably would be more likely because you wouldn't get the payment yet, you could later, but maybe the, you know, the agent or the customer gave you a promise to pay uh, type, that could be like an indication um, for in, the, in the collection world. So that could be a, a way that you slice your KPIs to say, you know, what's my promise to pay rate for X, you could even look upstream to say, was there a campaign that was more effective than another? So if, we, if we're able to collect, the, say, it's the collection campaign as a variable that we can slice that data by from a segmentation standpoint, I can then even look at it from that perspective. Like what campaign, what campaign is more likely to result in the KPI or the uh, promise to pay, say, than a different campaign? So you're, you can kind of A-B test then your collections campaigns against each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what we're actually doing there is we're actually looking downstream, which is this person promised to pay five days later. Is there a payment on that account? And then that's what then gets pulled back to say that conversation was successful. So there is a delay on a lot of the stuff because we need to, you know, we've got jobs that run and look at systems to see whether things have been resolved and stuff. Um, but so, so, but even some of the stuff you mentioned there around, some of the out of, out of the box stuff. Maybe it's maybe it might be different based on whether the customer is a Genesis customer that uses the Genesis conversational AI platform. Because even that containment is one thing. However, as you've mentioned, really what we care about is what actually what happened. If it was contained, as the customer had something resolved, and that may be that a question was answered. It may be that they've fulfilled something like they've made a book in or they've made an appointment or whatever. And so even that, there's a difference between, I suppose, the end points within the conversation that would need to be, some event would need to be registered within the Genesis Analytics suite to say, when this event is triggered, that means this. Is that so? So when you say out of the box, I'm assuming there's some sort of config that must need to come alongside that for you to be able to define the things that you care about. Yeah, that's right. You, so you're, you're, um, you know, we're looking at things really from like the, the customer experience perspective. 
So what are, what are the events that are occurring that are related to what that customer is experiencing? Meaning, you know, so again, if we're thinking, thinking about a bot, it's like, you know, each turn in the bot, what's the intent that's being collected? If there's additional information that um, is being pulled back from CRM, et cetera, we might pull that into segmentation type information. Um, and there's, there's definitely going to be some customization custo- customer to customer, depending on what the customer's mm-hmm. doing, how did the customer build the flows out, um, you know, that type of thing, right? But yeah, you're, you're, um, you're essentially looking at each, um, think about it as each customer, um, probably tur- a turn in a bot is a good way to think about it, right? Because each yeah each turn in the bot is really a, another event, right? Um, and yeah. so you're, you know, the same thing in an IBR, the dialogue module. If you think about a website, every web page I click on is an event, and there could be additional uh, data that I collect about those events, you know, about the customer, about whatever. Um, you know, so you're thinking about what are the steps, those are those events, and then what additional data is available to me from that system, and that allows me to have a lot of flexibility in terms of what I want to measure, what I, what I want to analyze. Yeah. That makes sense. And then how much of like is is in terms of the work that you do and the and the customers that Genesis have, all of this stuff, because it can be quite detailed, you know, certain companies care about certain things and therefore maybe it's a simple thing of, of using some of the out of the box features, maybe there's some work to be done to get access to certain data or whatever it might be. Like how much of this stuff do your customers do on their own? They just log into the Genesis platform and they crack on versus how much of this do like you or your team or, or people at Genesis need to get involved with to sort of help them get set up and stuff like that. I'm assuming it's probably horses for courses and it differs. I'm just wondering if you can shed some light on whether most organizations are quite self-sufficient and capable or whether there's a sort of like gap in skills here that, uh, that people might want to be aware of. Yeah. So you can break, you know, if, you, if we're talking specifically about customer journey analysts, you can break it up into two pieces. You have the, the data side, right? And then you have the analytics side. Um, so I would say on the data side, and, and it depends also if you've got, you know, an enterprise customer is going to have data teams and data lakes and whatever, you know, so they're going to be pretty well versed at getting us what we need, right? Um, they might have already pulled everything into a data warehouse and maybe it's, all, you know, data from all these different channels might even be in that single warehouse. Um, and, and so in that case, you know, from the data side, it's, it's a bit of a, um, you know, a, a joint effort in terms of us communicating what we need to pull in, them com- communicating what's available. You probably need, you know, a, a subject matter expert that understands the data, but then you also need somebody that under- understands the business because in a lot of cases, right, they'll have, maybe they'll have, uh, you know, some kind of business specific code that is not, it doesn't make any human readable sense, right? What's X 25 mean, right? So you need to kind of apply that business vernacular so that then the people that are doing the analytics understand what X 25 actually means. So on the analytics side, I would say that it's, it's probably more, you know, 75, 25 that the customers are doing probably more of the analytics piece and, you know, they're building dashboards, you know, doing journey analytics, et cetera. Um, And then, you know, we, we of course do have, you know, services, resources that if a customer doesn't want to do that work, uh, we can do that. We have partners that have, that have some of that skill set as well. And, you know, we have, actually I think some of our partners are really excited about, um, look, you know, if they have a CX management practice of utilizing, you know, journey analytics as an ongoing services offering that they have, right? Like how are we going to, you know, every quarter we're going to come back with recommendations and then they have also the resources that resources that are then going to go make those changes in the IVR or on the website or whatever. So they see it as a way to just continually, um, you know, deliver services and then deliver changes as well. So it's, um, mm. you know, it's, it's a mix of the, the type of customer, the, the, you know, the resources that they have, how they're organized back to that, you know, earlier point is that if you, you know, if we are just talking about talking to the contact center and they have a small analytics team only focused on the contact center, that's, that's the only thing they're focused on. Right. Whereas if we are, you know, working with an enterprise that is, is, you know, maybe even has a a customer journey focused team, um, they're probably kind of acting as a center of excellence for the rest of those organizations. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Cool. So we can't really uh, end without talking about generative AI and large language models, can we? (laughs) So what, yeah, what, uh, what impact, there's a few things we could, we could, we could answer here. I suppose 
maybe we should start with what impact has generative AI and large language model models already had, if any, on the work that you're doing? So I would say that the, the, the impact it's had already is kind of back to us being able to kind of measure did the did the change or the thing that we implemented, you know, with that's using generative AI have the business impact that we wanted. So, you know, for example, uh, we, you know, we recently released some capabilities that are around um, auto summarization of kind of after call work for agents, right. Using mm-hmm. generative. Um, so you're able to then track, you know, did, did that have the positive impact on the handle time that we expect? Um, also did, did it then have the impact on the, you know, maybe, maybe on the customer experience because, you know, the agent's actually getting that information real time. So, um, from the analytics standpoint, it's really more the, um, you know, the downstream of did that generative AI capability, um, have the impact that we wanted to, you know, as we think about it in the future and, you know, we, that's obviously some, an area that Genesis is really investing in, um, where, you know, near and dear to your heart would be, you know, auto generate we have all these transcripts right auto generating training data for bots and then eventually it's like automatically creating bots all that kind of stuff um and then i think yeah, from a customer journey standpoint you can you take the same approach right is to say you know here's all the pathways right all the connected customer journeys and how do we automatically generate like what these are the journey these are the journeys that you know cu- customers are taking these are the journeys that you should be interested in um, and kind of using generative to sift through the data and kind of remove some of that data discovery work that, um, that you know, today is somewhat ma- manual, right? So um, it's definitely something that, you know, we're, we're thinking about and investing in. And, um, but I think like in the, in the immediate term, it's more about what, what was the impact of that thing that, that's using generative AI on the agent, mm-hmm. on the customer, et cetera, right? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And so for that, you would then presumably be looking at more, because the the challenge with generative AI and large language models in general is quantifying some of the stuff that it can output. So I suppose in your case, with the summarization, the the thing that you're looking for isn't necessarily like the output of the generative model. You're looking at really the outcome of the implementation, as in, has this saved X time in agents wrapping up calls, stuff like that? Am I right? Yeah, that's right. So the the way that works is you have, you know, in real time, the customer and the agents, um, you know, call transcript is being summarized, right? So as the, as the agents wrapping up that interaction, you're basically presenting back a, a, a note, you know, to say, was this, was this the summary of your, your call? So the agent, you know, is kind of the, you know, the supervisor there to say um, it is, you know, enter or, uh, I need to make some modifications to that. And then um, we have a capability that's coming here really soon too, which is also, if you think, you know, the, it's not necessarily using gen, well, this part is using generative, but we're using AI to surface articles to the agent in real time, like based on the context of that conversation. So then you're using generative to highlight relative passages in the article. So if the, you know, customer and the agent are talking about, you know, how do I pay my, or where do I pay my bill? and you've got an article that's a paragraph long, the agent will be presented with that information, but actually have, you know, the specific information highlighted in the blob of text that they receive back. Um, so then from the analytics side of it, it's, you know, like you said, it's how to, how do we measure the impact of that, um, both to the agent as well as to the customer, right? So did the, you know, was it, did we impact first contact resolution because that agent had, uh, the information at their fingertips to address their question, you know, kind of looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose there's things you can do, which uh, some chatbots do, but it's very hit and miss depending on how much traffic goes through it and stuff like that. But it's stuff like looking at the number of times that an agent edits a response. Like, you know, if an agent edits every single response, maybe there's some tuning that needs to be done to make the you know, the transcripts, the summaries a bit better, or even maybe asking them things like, was that, how helpful, was this helpful? Yes, no, kind of, that kind of stuff, you know, which again, you're never going to get everyone to do. And even those that do do it probably will skip doing it if they realize there's a shortcut to doing it. But it's a case of like, it's, a, it's that question again, isn't it, of like getting enough data to then kind of like um, assume a trend on it to then point you in the right direction kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it, for sure. And it's all, you know, we, 
it's all things that I always, you know, the, the cliche I say, right. is like AI for me is like a, it's like a better shovel, right? Like we're, we're solving the same, we're digging the same hole that we were always digging. Yeah. Like, you know, when it comes to, you know, reducing handle time, reducing cost, you know, reducing calls, whatever. I mean, we're still doing all those things, but like, there's so much opportunity with generative AI to make all those things better. So, you know, if we even take like the, the example we were just talking about of kind of summarizing to the next level is like, you know, we still have customers that have like a drop down list of 150 reason codes for an, from an age for an agent to pick from, you know, what was the call about? And um, so, yeah, you have speech and text analytics today that can do that, but let's just use AI, like remove that, take that out of the agent's hands because it's not really accurate anyway. And just, you know, just do that automatically for them. Right. So there's so, so much opportunity to just take, you know, from a efficiency standpoint, um, but also an employee, um, satis- an employee stat- satisfaction standpoint. Right. So much, I, I saw a stat that I think it was, I think it was 60% of an agent's time is spent searching for data, uh, noting things, toggling back and forth between systems or whatever. So we, I just think about how much, so my, my first job, by the way, was I was an agent in a contact center um, dating myself. That was like 30 years ago or something like 20, something like that. Um, but I, you know, I just think about that as like how much easier would it make your life if you could just actually spend time focusing on the customer, showing empathy to them and, um, and then moving on to the next one. Right. Because, and having all the other pieces kind of done automatically for you. So I think there's just so much opportunity there. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, final thoughts. Is there one metric, one thing that trumps everything else when it comes to measuring the impact of your customer experience? If someone's listening, thinking, okay, you know, we could measure this, we could measure that. There's like, if there was, if there was to be a North Star, is there a North Star? And if there was, what would that North Star be? That's a tough one. It depends on who you're asking. Right. So I mentioned earlier the organizational side, um, you know, if we're talking to kind of sales and marketing, it's going to be revenue growth. Right. If you're talking to the contact center, maybe it's going to be in cost reduction. Um, you know, so maybe I'll answer it a little differently is to say, if you're looking at the entire customer journey, you can start to actually track KPIs that you couldn't before. So if I want to look at, you know, what's my customer's effort or a, a common KPI that we see customers um, implement is, um, you know, how we call, I've heard it called the number of things, but like channel hops, right? So if I have a customer trying to do something like how many channels did it take them to take them to complete that thing? Um, you know, so th- those are somewhat tactical, but they're insightful into the problem you're trying to solve, which is I want to improve customer experience. I want to reduce churn. I want to reduce cost. I want to grow revenue, right? Those are kind of the, you know, the, the high level metrics that, that I've, obviously everybody's driving toward, but, you know, taking the approach to look at the customer journey across all these different channels, et cetera, allows you to create kind of net new journey specific KPIs that are otherwise really hard to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think the whole thing about finding data and insights that you couldn't do otherwise is is a really important point, especially when it comes to conversational AI. Because you mentioned there that if you've got some customers that have 100 rap codes, guaranteed some people in that contact center have got habits whereby they will just pick whichever ones they're comfortable with. And it's probably going to be something in that top 10, <laughs> even if the actual call wasn't. And so, you know, you've got, you've, you'll have companies out there who believe they understand what customers are calling about, but in reality, they're probably miles away. And the thing with conversational AI is that there is absolutely no escape in the actual ground truth because people are actually telling you in their own words specifically what they're trying to do. Unlike the web, where you could look at the contact us page and the previous pages that we've visited and you could make massive assumptions about why the customer needs to contact. You know what they were doing, but you don't know why they were trying to do it and you don't know why they contacted you. All of that qualitative stuff is totally missing. Whereas with conversational AI, you get the qualitative stuff and you can analyze that at scale that not only will give you a better picture of the current situation, better than rap codes will, but definitely will give you new insights into areas of the business that you probably don't realize need attention right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I That's concur right. with all of the above. That's right. 
Cool. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Really, really, really interesting. Thank you so much. And uh, likewise, I'm assuming everybody knows Genesis. um, But uh, if you don't and you want to learn more, then you can go to genesis.com. And I'm sure that Tim wouldn't mind connecting with you on LinkedIn. Also, if uh, if you are interested in the stuff that we've been talking about, you want to get a bit of a deeper handle on this kind of stuff, then uh, then yeah, if you're all right with that, Tim, I'll put your LinkedIn in the show notes and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I could talk about this stuff all day, so no problem. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, Coming next, what's coming next? Let me just have a quick look and see what's next on the VUX World Podcast. Next up on the VUX World Podcast is going to be Sentio CX next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Sentio CX has an interesting capability. I don't know if you come across it or not, Tim, but essentially what it does is it's almost like skill-based routing, or routing, depending on where in the world you come from. Uh, But it uses the information and context gathered within a conversational AI assistant to then prioritize and manage all of the routing. So rather than hard coding everything in in your system, in your solution, this basically is almost like a bit of middleware that manages all of your routing for you. And so we're going to be getting into a bit of detail about what that is, how it works, what the value is, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So if you you are around, uh, then yeah, that's next Thursday at 5 p.m. GMT. Awesome. And it's nice for that. Nice one. Thank you all very much. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.